That's Retro Fandango, that's Retro Fandango When it's Android over iPhone And you can keep your stupid amiibo And always bashing on Nintendo But that's Retro Fandango, that's Retro Fandango Thanks Retro Fandango uh, Alright, wow. hello everyone, welcome to Retro Fandango Episode number 3, no Two thirty. No, two two thirty. That's right. Two thirty. Two thirty. Uh, by the way, yeah, was the time that my elementary school finished every day. Hmm. Interesting. Two thirty. You get out. Two thirty. Yeah. That seems early to me. I, I yeah. I guess my kids, they're they tend to get out more like three to four. It changes yeah. a little bit day to day, but no, we got out at two thirty. What are we staying at school for? I'm pretty sure we were in till at three or three thirty. Oh man, yeah. How they do that to you? Did you go to um, like a, a Catholic school or anything, or was it just a regular public school? I I from grade one, well kindergarten to grade six, I went to uh, kindergarten. Oh, kindergarten what? to grade one, grade six. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, that explains a lot. <laughs> I went to Catholic <laughs> school, and then in grade seven, I switched to a public school. He just won't leave. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I went for a public school, grade seven and eight, and then high school is public school. So you had to do junior high school, high school. So, well, say you kind of cut out there. Say it again. Elementary school, junior high school, and then high school. No, see, yeah, in the state, see, I noticed this when I was watching uh, the Wonder Years too, and Sarah and I had a conversation about that. You guys have elementary school, then junior high, and then high school, and I guess even well, in that's, southern. Well, that's what some that's what some people have. That's not what I had. Okay, my mine was kindergarten, uh, and then first grade through eighth grade was all in one school. Right. Oh, is that what you had? No, no, our my, our kindergarten was in the same school. Okay, because yeah, I went to a Catholic school that had, had um, kindergarten, first grade through eighth grade, and then from there, four years of high school. Yeah, I I think it's um, well, you know, it all depends on different districts and that, but I think a lot of it depends on population. You know, in the states, mm. a lot of areas are more populated than in Canada. Southern Ontario is very populated, so in those areas, you have your elementary school and the junior high junior high is like, is it six, seven and eight or seven, eight, and nine? I think it's case by case. Like my daughter, um, she went through six years of elementary school. Then it's seven, eight, nine in junior high school. And then 10, 11, 12 will be high school. Right. Yeah. Cause uh, when I was a kid, there was a show on television, Canadian show called Degrassi junior high. And I was like, what the hell is junior high? And it was, I think it was seven, eight, yeah. but yeah, for me, you went to elementary school till grade eight, and then you went to high school, grade nine through what we call OAC, which was the Ontario uh, academic something. I don't know. It was basically grade 13. So if you went to five years in high school in, in Ontario in the eighties and nineties, you were, that, that was fine. That was okay. You know, Ryan saying he went uh, preschool and kindergarten were separate. 
Do people go preschool. to preschool? Yeah. Pre K. There you go. Ontario. Sarah's got it. Ontario Academic Credit was OAC. So they they have eliminated that though. That it used to be grade thirteen, then it was OAC, but they completely eliminated that. Now you go through that when you go to university or college. Basically, it was a way for the government to say we don't want to pay for this extra year of schooling, so we'll make parents mm-hmm. pay for it instead. Progress, people. Progress. Uh, second is the best. Third is a turd. Well, yeah, I was talking about the comments, you know, because yeah. I've been getting getting people all commenting about being first and all that stuff. Well, it's a big struggle every day. Anyways, I just wanted to mention us reaching episode 230, mm-hmm. 230, that, uh, you know, over on STC Pod, uh, I, I'm liking the attitude over there. They finally kind of has switched over or has changed their view over to my way of thinking. Cause I've been saying forever in a day that, you know, it's not necessarily the number of shows that you've done. It's the quality of the shows that you've done. You know, a hundred episodes mm-hmm. of days of our lives doesn't equal to one episode of better call Saul or, or breaking bad or something like that. The Sopranos, you know? So I, I I'm hearing that rhetoric finally carrying over onto STC pod, which have, held over our head for the longest time, but they have more episodes than we do. But they finally have uh, changed their way of thinking and have gone to taking uh, my way of looking at it, that you got to do a more quality episode instead of quantity. Quality is more important than quantity. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited about that. I can't wait to hear uh, one of their quality episodes. When you guys post it, you know, let me know. Send me a DM. Reach out to me on social media i really want to listen to one of those quality episodes that you guys are talking about so let me know let me know when you start that maybe they're going to get new hosts and that'll make it yeah maybe that'll improve (laughs) maybe that'll improve (laughs) i didn't think of that wow so you go uh, what what was your uh what were the duke cousins coy and vance there you go yeah get coy and vance in there no. So what are you been... starting to wake up now? Are you? Hmm. That's good. Just a little. Well, I had one of those nights. Teapot to talk to wake you up. Maybe it's it's like smelling salts. Oh man. Yeah, it certainly smells. Okay. No, I had one of those nights where I just wake up constantly. Like, uh, uh, every every forty five minutes to an hour just seems like I'm tossing and turning. Kind of wake up for two minutes and go back to sleep again. Yeah. I don't know. And I can't understand why. Sometimes all you can do is just maybe sometimes all you can do is just get up for like 15 minutes, like just kind of change the setting and that. But then for me, that 15 minutes always ends up being an hour or an hour and a half. And then it's just wrecks the day next day. Yeah. Well, I knew we had this coming up, so I didn't want to stay up too late. Originally, I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll watch a movie tonight, you know. But then, uh, uh, all right, I'll stay up too late. I'll be staring at a screen. It probably won't sleep well. So instead, I'll go through uh, my DVDs and stuff. And because I know I have duplicates and I've had things that I, you know, upgraded to Blu-ray. I got the old DVD or for some reason or another, I can filter through and get rid of some things. So I started doing that. And then uh, 
I got a nice big snack ready and I started feeling sleepy. I was like, all right, maybe I can go to bed now. It was like 11 o'clock at night. I didn't feel that tired. So I just laid there and laid there, laid there, fell asleep. And then, I don't know, in and out, in and out, in and out. Yeah, that sucks. Which, by the way, I'm still torn anytime I go through and like, I'm going to throw stuff away. It's like, ah, I always have that endless debate. Yeah. Should I keep it? Should I get rid of it? Yeah. I know. I, I, uh, I've upgraded recently, you know, my Monty Python from uh, DVD to Blu-ray. Found a couple Ooh, of... Oh, nice. Yeah. I ha- I've got the meaning of life. And then um, I was at my buddy Frank's house the other day. And uh, he was talking about some horror movie. I can't remember which one. I think it was one of those Rob Zombie horror movies that he just wanted to put on to go through the menus and everything. Cause you remember how much fun the menus were on those old DVDs. Yeah, yeah. So he put the Blu-ray in and he's like, none of those old menus are, are here. And he's asking no. me, why do they do that? And I was like, well, you know, they have to upgrade all that stuff to HD. They only charge 10 bucks for the H uh, for the Blu-rays now, you know, instead of uh, thirty or forty dollars like they were back in the time, mm-hmm. so it's not worth it for them. So, well, you get so, that fancy little white arrow, little book for chapters, all that fun stuff, Amazing. you know. And uh, so that reminded me because I had those Monty Python DVDs in my to go to the thrift store, back to the thrift store, and I'm like, oh, I remember those Monty Python DVDs where they would hide a whole bunch of stuff in there and. There'd be all sorts of silly animations and that. And I don't think mm-hmm. they're on the Blu-ray. So looks like I got to keep those too. Silly, I tell you. This collecting thing. It's just just silly. Well, maybe that'll be the next big thing. You know, everybody's getting the VHS now and finding the old commercials and hundred you know, percent putting man. them up there. The uh DVD menus, maybe they'll have the technology where they can treat recreate that and just stick it up online yeah where you can download the menus yeah and just click through the buttons and like oh now i'm on the chapter page right and then the oh, collect- and then the Special collectors features. The, the collectors will be like that's so fake man that's not real you got to get the real thing you got to get yourself yeah. sitting in front of a crt and going through the menus on a dvd it's probably going to happen sooner than later. Mm-hmm. I still can't believe well, this I mean, VHS thing. It's so well, silly. I mean, that definitely will happen. The, yeah. the DVD boom is coming. So if you got those fancy ones, hang on to those because they're going to be worth big bucks in like 10 years. Well, in, in music right now, in the music collecting world right now, there is a shift back to CDs because hmm. the... Because you guys uh, bought all the vinyl already? Well, the music industry is getting greedy now. And they're getting, like, they're charging a lot for these vinyl records and then these exclusive pressings and record store day and all that. And it's turning into a real collector's, uh, collector-driven market instead of, like, mm-hmm. I just want this to listen to the music kind of thing. And people are starting to reject it. And it's going back to like, well, I could just go to a thrift store and I can buy a, you know, a CD for a few dollars instead of $50 for a vinyl record. And people are starting to see the value in that. Like my buddy, Frank, he just, 
a banana box full of CDs. He's like, I don't want these anymore. Here you go. And I'm like, okay, I guess I got a banana box full of CDs to go through. But people don't want them anymore. And you, you can go to a thrift store, you can buy them for a buck or two. Can't do that with vinyl records, like worthwhile vinyl records, anyways. Uh, Rocket Ryan. Sauce is still waiting on the Beanie Baby boom. Good luck with that. Well, he's just sitting on his Beanie Babies. Right. right. Well, here's the thing, too, like with the with the Beanie Babies and all that, that was all like, uh, it, they, it was the same thing with the baseball cards, right? It was all um, a, kind of a fake uh, market that they created, you know, like uh, that they would only release things out like piecemeal mm -hmm. kind of thing. And at any point, they could just make more Beanie Babies, right? Like it was just... Uh, a manufactured uh, supply and demand uh, mm -hmm. issue. You know, it wasn't like, you know, like with with video games, you know, there was only so many NES carts out there and so many that have gotten wrecked over the years or whatever. So there were there are some that, you know, that there are millions of, you know, certain ones. And then there's others that there isn't that many of. There's only a certain amount that uh, can go around. Whereas right. even with vinyl records, I mean, there's even on record store day, uh, you know, a record will come out and, you know, this uh, Aerosmith record, it's it's just out on record store day. You got to go pick it up on record store day. It's going to cost you $40. And then five, six months later, they reissue it and get it for 25 bucks. Mm -hmm. You know, like <laughs> at any point they could they could always just make more. They can always make more of these things, you know. And uh, eventually we'll get to that point where people just start buying what they need or just what makes them happy. Yeah. Well, you know, if, um, the way that this, uh, you know, economy is going and everything, you're going to see more uh, people start spending less and less on the frivolous stuff because the necessities are just going mm. crazy, man. I, I, yeah. I bought a, I bought a, you know, one of those little half, pressed hams you know one of those little guys ham in a can not ham in a can but it's like a you know like like a real ham has like the bone in it right and you slice it around the bone oh yeah it looks like, like one of those uh warner brother hams those are right delicious looking. The, well they they are fantastic my mom used to make one every new year's and they were mm -hmm. they were excellent but um you know you just go to the store it's got that little pressed ham just thing but you know normally they're like around five bucks $18 for a freaking half a little pressed ham. This is insane. Insane. I, I was amazed that I saw a turkey the other day. It was at Costco, and they had literally one frozen turkey. Wow. Yeah. For, for Thanksgiving. I, I, well, post-Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. I guess they had it stuck in the back somewhere. <laughs> but uh, I was walking down the aisle, and then, you know, they got all the boxes of this, all the boxes of this, and then just one turkey sitting there nobody's gonna buy because nobody has an oven big enough for him here mm -hmm. uh, wow and you so i guess you don't have an oven big enough so you didn't didn't buy that turkey i do not i do not no that's too bad hmm. well um yeah you want to talk about some movies uh i can <laughs> I, I didn't uh, watch as many and i only have three things to show oh my goodness well don't worry i got you covered because oh thank goodness after we sold uh the in-laws home it was oh. finally safe enough for us to get uh the uh 
vaccine booster and uh, uh-huh. our flu shot. So let me tell you, the, the first time I took the, the vaccine, the COVID-19, I was out for like a week. That thing knocked me down. And the second uh-huh. time was about five days, but it wasn't as bad as the first. I just felt off, you know. Then I think the third one, they gave us like a half a dose or something. So that wasn't as bad. But last year, the when I got the shot, I um, was off for about a day and a half. You know, I got it and it was, eh, it was okay. So this time, planning on the same thing. I'm going to be off for a, a day and a half. This thing kicked my ass for like five days. We got it on Wednesday. I didn't start feeling normal until the following Tuesday. So maybe it was six days, six days. I try. I would try to do stuff. I would try to do stuff around the house and that. And I would be like out of breath, <laughs> you know, like, oh, my God, this thing is still. Uh, and so I wasn't wasn't happy with that. But I, I did sit on the couch and watch a lot of movies while I recovered from all that. So, OK. It's like they tweak the recipe a bit there, huh? Well, it's it's different every time, right? There's different strains and all that stuff. And yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know why I, I react that way to them. I know people that take them. My in-laws, they're in their 80s. They get these shots. Yeah, no big deal. Me, it's like right away, like I got this shot and my arm just started swelling right up. I was like, oh, my God. I couldn't even I couldn't even lift my arm. We went to the grocery store right after to get some, you know, uh, just some necessities. And and up on one of the top shelves, I was holding on to like milk and um, uh, what was it? I don't know, a couple of heavy things I had in my one hand. And uh, I'm like, hey, let's get that yogurt up there on the top shelf. And Sarah's like, okay, go grab it. I'm like, I I can't move my, it was like that, you know, that Muppet. Uh, thing where there was like the one Muppet that had the arms over his head so he could pick the, the stuff off the tree, but he couldn't eat it. And then there was the other Muppet that just had the arms that <laughs> he couldn't, he could, he could reach his mouth, but he couldn't reach up to the tree. So they had to work together. The one Muppet would uh-huh. pull, take the apple off the tree and the other Muppet would be able to feed the other. That's how I felt like. I felt like that one Muppet and Sarah was the Muppet with the arms up. Oh. Yeah. They just felt like an old man. Pretty much. Yeah. We got Deke here. Hey, Deke. Hey, hey. Uh, Sauce wants to know if I've asked for a different flavor of that vaccine. I take whatever they give me, whatever they got there, just give it to me. I'm not, I don't, maybe that's my problem. Yeah. Maybe they should make it more like uh, when you go to the ice cream parlor. You're like, yeah, I'll take a scoop of this, a little bit of that, a little taste cream on top. Sure. Soften it up with some, some gummy bears or something. Yeah. Yes, they are side effects of the of the vaccine. And it's all yes. Anyways. So the first movie I tried to watch. Mm-hmm. Every time I turn on the Tubi, it recommends this movie. Oh, did I forget my phone? Oh, yeah, crap. Forgot, forgot my phone. I had everything all set up on my phone. I gotta open up another window here in the computer. So oh, I don't want to mess up the name. I don't want to mess up the name. Well, because on the letterbox, that's where I have what where everything I watched. I can't remember everything I watched. Okay, yeah. So the first movie I tried to watch was uh it was called 
every uh, to be every time I turn it on, it recommends this movie. It's called Colors, and it stars Colors. Robert Duvall and Sean Penn. It's from the uh, late eighties. And, yeah, and they play uh, a couple of cops, L.A. cops that are all into uh, gang enforcement, this uh, special division of the LAPD that po- that works solely well on, uh, I don't know, policing gangs in L.A. Oh, it's got, uh, sorry, it's got Maria Conchita Alonso. Who that? Who that? She's uh, she was uh, Arnold's co-star in The Running Man. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and she was also one of the cops in Predator Two. Yes, she's one of those actresses that, like, I know from a couple movies, and then if I find out she's in something else, I go like, "Oh, okay, she did do other work." Uh, Sasha says Harry's been using Tubi more than any any paid paid services. I don't have any paid services, and I gotta say, I I. I'm kind of annoyed at Tubi because they do have a lot of content there, but they're, I remember, I remember back in my day, you would throw mm-hmm. on Tubi and they would show you a commercial at the beginning. And then maybe somewhere in the middle of the movie, they th- show you another commercial. Right. And that'd be it. Sometimes there wouldn't be any commercials at all, but now it's full on commercial breaks, especially the mm. closer you get to the end of a movie. It's like, bam, bam, bam. I'm Every like five minutes. Now it's like, I think I'm, I'm motivated to get over to the pirate bay and download the movie. So I don't have to <laughs> sit through all these. I, there's only so many Huggies commercials I can sit and watch. Yeah. Well, I mean, you might want to purchase some of those movies too. Yeah, that's okay. I'll buy them on big DVD boom. I'll buy them on. <laughs> I'll buy them on. Uh, I'll buy physical copies if I see them out there for cheap or whatever. But mm-hmm. like to buy, I, I know Frank, my buddy Frank does that all the time. He rents movie like uh, digital copies of movies or. You buys. know, I've never done that. Me neither. I've seen that little advertisement for so many years. Yeah. Now. I was like, hey, two ninety nine, one ninety nine. Yeah. yeah, that's really... like this. I was like, eh, no. Well, they're I, more I don't than, know if I can tolerate that. Yeah, they're more than that here. It's like $5. for $5 to rent, $10 to buy. And wow. I, I just can't bring myself to, to do that, uh, especially when I have uh, other ways of uh, getting the movies. Anyways, uh, so I watched this movie, Colors. And this is one of the side effects that never really – I've never really had before. But with this uh, shot, it – really gave me a lot of brain fog like i could not this had to be like a simple movie it couldn't have been that complicated but i could not follow the story in this movie at all i was like what is going on who's this guy what's that and so after i like read on wikipedia what the plot line was and i'm like okay that all makes sense so i don't know i'm i think i just had brain fog or something Hmm. um Don Cheadle's in the movie too. The man has never aged. He looks exactly like Don Cheadle today. <laughs> it is insane. Um, the war machine. But yeah, it was an okay movie. It, it was fine. It, it was a little, it, you know, it's dated. You know, there's like this was before the riots even in LA. So it's like very um, 80s war on drugs kind of vibe to it, but not all in on that. They still have like some sort of uh, foot set in reality. Um, but it wasn't bad. It was okay. Uh, so 
after that, and I couldn't really follow that movie, I'm like, okay, I really need to dumb things down for myself. I just need some simple like simple stories to follow. I can't have anything too complicated. Mm-hmm. So I went in and I watched all three missing in action films, but oh, Chuck Norris. Oh, yeah. yeah all, right. Baby. all right. So on this one disc, it's not even a flipper. It's just on one disc. We have okay. missing in action, missing in action to the beginning, and Braddock missing in action three. All right. Now, All right. I, I have one question before you start your explanation here. Are those movies in widescreen? Yes. Uh, oh. the, so uh, two and three were in full widescreen. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one was in letterbox widescreen. Okay. So I did have to go into my TV and change the setting to blow it up. Mm-hmm. And it still it didn't look that bad. They all looked fine. Okay, um, yeah. It's just I, I've got a Chuck Norris uh compilation like that, and I'd say like two out of three are four by three. Mm. I'm like, well, what's going on here? No, none of none of the movies are upscaled. All the my my Blu-ray player and the TV were doing all the upscaling uh for this uh stuff. But they you know it looked okay. Um so interesting, uh, a little bit of an interesting history with this. So one and two, Missing in Action one and two, were made at the same time. Really? Yeah. Now, Missing in Action two was actually designed to come out before Missing in Action one. That's mm-hmm. why Missing in Action two is called The Beginning, because it is a prequel. Okay. But when the movie studios got the films... They decided to release the second movie first because it was uh, a better movie than the first, Mm -hmm. which I have to call shenanigans on because both of these movies are quite boring. I I don't know. (laughs) You still got to go with the the less boring movie. I mean, when I when I first started watching the first one, Missing in Action. I after about 15 minutes, I stopped the movie and I started looking on Amazon for the Blu-rays because I'm like, this is so much fun. I think I'm going to want all these on Blu-ray. But then I'm like, okay, no, wait. Cooler heads prevail. Keep going. Let's make sure before you start spending like $30 on on just one Mm Blu-ray, let's just watch the rest of your, you know, I don't know. I think I got this for a couple of bucks, right? And yeah, it just kind of it. So the, the opening is it's fun. He's on trial for all these crimes that he committed um, in uh, during the Vietnam War. Um, okay. The Vietnamese uh, government is uh, like the uh, Vietnamese ambassador. You know, they, they're all putting him on trial for all these war crimes and everything that he has uh, done. Uh, again, like the movies are released out of order. So you would have seen all the war crimes in the second film, right? And then. Mm-hmm. first film so but it's fun because he's got all like the, he's got like the cheesy one-liners and stuff like that but then once he actually so he's trying to find his friends his his uh like pow's that are in vietnam right the, and the movie takes place in the early 80s so the war's been over for about five years but there's still pow's over there the vietnamese government is denying everything 
they're like, no, there's no thing. And, you know, but Braddock knows that there are, they are there. So he goes over there to, to save his friends kind of thing. And there's some, you know, general or something uh, that has POWs in a camp somewhere, blah, blah, blah. Chuck Norris just kind of goes in and, and rescues them. And it's kind of, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's very generic, very boring action. Like for, yeah, it's like, like the no, director, I just I know I watched this not too long ago, probably within the past year, and I can't remember anything. When when you just said something about the trial, that clicked. Like, is he like in a hotel or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's like for some reason that's the only thing I remember. Well, yeah, I think it, none it, of the action scenes. I think the hotel thing sticks out to you because that was one of the most dragged out sequences I had oh. ever seen. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, he's in the hotel, but then he like dresses in black and sneaks out the window. Yep. To, like go snoop around or something. Right. Okay. Yeah. And but All they right. they yeah. show so he's on the second floor and they show him like every step of the way going down the like scaling down this building and then there's like right. guards down going... there. I go up a little bit and then he goes down. It's like it just keeps going on and on and on. And like, okay, I got through that. He finally goes to where he needs to go. He gets the information that he needs to go find his friends. And then they show him going all the way back and all this stuff. And, <laughs> and it's like, you know that he get they find out that there was somebody in the offices and they're like, it's Braddock. Let's rush to the, you know, back to the, the hotel and uh, and catch Braddock red-handed. And you know mm -hmm. that they're going to get there and he's going to be in bed with his lady friend yeah. who's already there. Mm -hmm. And they're all going to be embarrassed because they're like, oh, we thought you were, you know, stealing files out of our out of mm -hmm. our office. We didn't know you were in here with a lady. And, you know, so you know where this is going. But still, they got to show every single step of the way. You're like, ah, oh. you're waiting for the payoff. Let's go on the edge of your seat. Oh, Just talking it. about somebody walking around on the edge on the outside edge of a building. Now I want to watch the naked gun. <laughs> yeah. Those Frank are worth watching. did it better. <laughs> I would watch those again. So, uh, you no, know, sorry. Another yeah. side tangent, just before I forget, there are a series of videos on YouTube where it's like Leslie Nielsen in star Wars or something. And it's just clips from the naked gun, but they, you know, pretty well done. They just, prop out Frank Drebin and his car and then stick him in scenes from like Star Wars <laughs> or other movies. That'd be great. <laughs> They're really short and you know, it's basically premise funny. Just yeah. like, haha, that's silly. And then it's over. Yeah. It's worth, worth checking out if you come across them. Uh, what I've been getting recommended to me a lot are the Leslie Nielsen interviews that he used to do with, uh, hmm. if, if you don't, remember this or know this in the late 90s leslie nielsen was notorious for going onto these press junkets and he would just have a reporter come in the thing and he would have on him a whoopee cushion and he would sit there <laughs> frank drebin style like serious interview i'm doing a serious interview and he would mm -hmm. he would press that whoopee cushion at the right moments every time and the reporters like <laughs> wouldn't know what to do like is he farting right now <laughs> whatever and he's just deadpan <laughs> look it up on on youtube it's good some of them get it right away some of them are in the joke right away but then there's others that are like what is going on <laughs> good times <laughs> all right missing in action two yeah this was one uh, that one was actually made first and i don't know it's so 
forgettable. I don't even remember anything from it. It was so forgettable. Mm -hmm. So maybe the, the movie studio was onto something, but still they were both boring. Okay. Third movie. Uh, Sauce here mentions First Blood Part 2. So both these two movies were made in the early 80s, like 82, 83, or they came mm -hmm. out. They were made at the same time. But Missing in Action 3, Braddock, Mission in Action, this one definitely came out after First Blood Part 2 because this one does ape a lot of that movie, uh, just in terms of style and everything. Um, it's probably the... I, I don't want to... Death Wish 3, is it, that's elevating this movie a little too high, but it is mm. the Death, Death Wish 3 of these three movies. It's, it's definitely oh, the, all right. the more fun of it, like for okay. wrong, like good for wrong reasons. It's still not great. It's still boring. It's still like <laughs> when I, by the time I got to this movie, I was rooting for the Vietnamese uh, communist uh, army because they make sense. He keeps coming into their country, blowing stuff up, and then he just leaves. And it's like, well, yeah, I, I kind of understand why. I'm not saying I agree with them. I just mm -hmm. understand why they're upset, why they want to put him on trial, because he keeps mm -hmm. just coming into their country and blowing stuff up, whether he's right well, or that's wrong. That's what he does. Like in he's this movie. Forest. So in this movie, he gets a visit from his uh, uh, friend who is a missionary, a priest missionary. Who, hey, Braddock, I've your long lost. None of the other movies mention this, of course, but your long lost mm. wife and son are in Vietnam. And he's like, What do you mean? I've seen them, I, I saw them die. He's like, No, you saw the wrong thing. They're still alive. I know exactly mm. where they are. Now, a, a sane person would say, Okay, priest, this is what I need you to do. I need you to grab my wife and my kid. I need you to get them to the Thailand border and we'll get them out of that country. But that's not what Braddock does. Braddock's just going to go in and shoot everything that moves until I get my... <laughs> and of course, spoiler alert, he kills his friggin' wife in the process because he's so friggin' barbaric. Really? Like, come wow, on. I wouldn't have well, guessed that. He doesn't kill his wife, but his wife dies in the process of him trying to rescue them. And it's like, okay. dude. Well, I, he... I was under the assumption it would just be the, uh-oh, the priest was lying. And it was nope. just all a setup to get him in there. No, no, the priest, the, the, the priest was not lying. This is uh Chuck Norris. This is very like poyous. You know, it's not oh my goodness. Be... Sauce was right because he's asking, is there a co? And yeah, Braddock's wife was co. She was expendable. <laughs> yeah. And and talks the exact same way, like like as if she's a caveman. Not that not mm -hmm. a person from Vietnam with a Vietnamese accent. She just talks like a caveman. Mm -hmm. or cave woman sorry anyways wow there you go anyways uh out of the three i would recommend uh braddock missing in action three just for some fun you don't need to watch one okay. and two they are quite boring but occasionally i have seen that uh but for some reason they're not the cheapo dvd sometimes that'll be like up to 10 bucks and like no. oh i i, I I would not recommend anyone spend ten dollars on any of these. No, movies. you shouldn't spend more <laughs> than like uh, three bucks on a Chuck Norris movie. Even three dollars. Yeah, like Chuck Norris is. He, I'll tell you the other thing Chuck Norris does is he really makes you appreciate what Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone do as action yeah. starts because he is so bad. He's so stoic and just yeah. 
flat expressionless. Yeah, like he's sitting there with a big machine gun and he's shooting everything and he's just like his yeah. no expression on his face. Like, dude, come he's on. In front of the camera. The the funny That's thing it. is too is he is uh like he needs to go into this so where his uh, POWs are or his um I might be confusing the movies. I don't know. I watched them all at once and I, I did have COVID uh, fog. Yeah. But there's one part where he needs to go into this base and free some POWs. And he needs to go in stealth-like. Does he go in quietly? No, he's got the biggest freaking gun with like it has like a machine gun and then a grenade launcher on it. <laughs> and it's yeah. so funny because he's sneaking, he's sneaking through this one part. He's got this huge gun and someone someone catches him, right? So it's like one of the Vietnamese guards catches him and grabs the gun. And then Mm-hmm. Of course, this gun just has a bayonetta that just sticks out. Yeah, it has a knife too. Why not? You know, uh, it's whatever he needs. There you know, that's one... the um, that's the Chuck Norris that's in um, Broforce. They got the the Braddock. Yeah. The... Oh. Well, actually, they have uh, Is Texas Walker? Ranger. Yeah, he's Walker. Yeah. Isn't he? There's two versions of him. Oh, there. okay, okay. Um, yeah, there's this one part where he. Uh, he gets this one Vietnamese guard in a headlock and he's just holding him in a headlock and there's like, he doesn't move or anything. He's just holding him there. And then there's a sound effect like, and the, the, the actor <laughs> who has his head in there just goes <laughs> like, and he doesn't even move. Just <laughs> all right. Didn't even have to do anything. He, have to. he just flexed his bicep. <laughs> he didn't a little even bit. flex. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Anyways, there you go. I didn't expect to spend that much time on the Braddock movies, but well, how can you not talk about Chuck Norris? I get I guess it was warranted the discussion. Now wait a minute. Did you sit down and watch all three of those in one day? I watched the first two in one day and then I watched the third on the next day. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't the COVID fog. Maybe it was the, the Norris fog that was getting to you. Could have been. I don't know. There was it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Um, so a couple more simple movies. That I, so after that, I was like, okay, enough with Chuck Norris. Uh, so I have a couple of uh, Jet Li movies that I want been wanting to get to, and I decided. Oh, Danny the dog. No, you saw that one already. Danny the dog. Oh, what's that? Isn't it called Danny the dog or something? Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh. uh, uh... British guy, Super Mario. What's his name? Bob Hoskins. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, New- no, that- where Bob Hoskins had him on a leash or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that movie here is called uh, Is it Fearless or something like that? I don't know. A lot of these movies, a lot of Jet Li movies have different names. Uh, on, well, depending, yeah, depending on which. Anyways, I decided to watch these two because they had like a similar color scheme to their. Like they, you know, whatever the Jet Li collection. Okay, the one on on my left, the Defender. There, I remember that image for some reason. The Jet Li. Okay, so this movie. There. This movie is called The Bodyguard from Beijing, uh, mm-hmm. on the uh, on your side of the globe. Here okay. it's just called The Defender. This movie came out like 1995. Um, it is cheesy as all heck. Like it is a real um, hokey story the mm-hmm. female character in this movie is just written terribly like she's just i, I, I don't know but 
the rest of the movie's really pretty good. Like I, I did have me rooting for all the characters uh, in this. I, I quite uh, enjoyed this one. Uh, what the heck did I say? I'm trying to remember now. Uh, oh yeah, and of course, like these have terrible dubbing. Both of them have terrible English dubs on them. There's no uh, subtitles or anything like that. Mm. These are old DVDs, right? These came out like early, you know, two thousands, late nineties or whatever. So they still look good on the four K TV, but you know, uh, so this one was pretty good. This one, The Enforcer. At least The Enforcer. So this one is called... Um, oh, what the heck is it called on your side? Uh, something about the father? Um, well, anyways. The Enforcer. It's called... My father called, is a hero? Yes, that's it. Okay, my father is a hero. Okay, so that's important because um, this now this movie is the Death Wish three of all Jet Li movies. Ooh, okay, <laughs> that's, that's how you sell anything. This Death Wish three. This is so bad. It is good. It is just bonkers how bad and, and crazy it is. So the villain is like. A cliche of every you know villain from every film um but more really what 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 makes this movie so crazy is just everything that he does in it so his kid basically has to go in and he has to save his his kid at one point he he uses his kid as a weapon like he ties his kid to a rope and he's like throwing his kid around <laughs> taking out the bad guys just it's it's uh, a, a dog attacks him at one point and then you, it's just all of a sudden a shot of Jet Li holding a stuffed dog and he just cracks it in mm -hmm. half just <laughs> get this dog out of here okay wait I, I gotta write this down this there's is... one part where his kid Damn, is like it, it doesn't make any sense like the technology doesn't really make sense he has a, a, a beeper like an old school, like the movie is from the late nineties, right? So he has a beeper. And so is he a drug has... dealer? No, no, he's um, he is a cop. So he's a cop. He's undercover in the China or in Hong Kong. He's he's a cop. He's uncover in undercover in Hong Kong, and his wife is back home. She's you know sick and dying. Uh, his wife dies at one point. They kind of just kind of gloss over it because they got this like other romantic story to get to. <laughs> like he's got mm -hmm. this other female character that he, he needs to fall in love with. So his wife just kind of conveniently dies uh, because, you know, you got to get to this romance story between these other two. But anyways, his son is like captured by these drug dealers or something like that. Again, I watched this all with the COVID fog, so I'm, mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember it, but I, I need to watch it again. I want to watch tomorrow. We're having bad movie night. I'm going to push for this movie because <laughs> his son has a cell phone, one of the old cell phones with the little flip on the end. And he's calling his dad because he's in like this. So they're in like the bad guy security place. And his son like is in the security. He's got all the security monitors and on the security monitors, it's marked with like marker on the screens where the bombs are that Jet Li needs to go in and defuse. 
It's mm-hmm. like it'd be like a shot of like a dock, and there'd be like a marker like right on the screen where where the mm-hmm. bomb is, right? So the kid is talking into his cell phone, telling his dad where his where the bombs are, and his dad is just reading all of this on a pager. It's like, how is any of this possible? <laughs> he's just like, okay, dad, uh, you need to go like three feet, uh, th- and, and he's just like, you know, just reading this on a pager. I'm, what is going on? It makes no sense. What at one point his son. he's on a boat and he's like i need to get over to this other part but the bad guys are on the boat i need a place to hide on the boat so his son like straps himself to the back of the boat and you just see the boat like moving through the water and his son's just like in the water just dragged dragged this boat it is a bonkers movie man it is insane there's no bazooka or anything like that at the end but him whipping his kid around on a rope I mean, I watched the last half of this movie. I couldn't, I I was having trouble sleeping. It's like three o'clock in the morning. I'm watching this at three o'clock in the morning. I'm laughing my ass off. And it's not often that I laugh (laughs) out loud at movies when I'm watching them by myself. It is, it is a rare thing. Yeah. This movie I would recommend you pick up for 10 bucks with, 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 I, I wrote it down with, like, it's not great. It's not good. It's just a really terrible time that, and I do wish I could find the uh, original, you know, uh, dubbed version with uh, with just some English subtitles. But, mm-hmm. anyways, recommend that. Look for that, and you're. I, I will check it out. Okay, what else did I watch? Mm-hmm. What other crap here did I watch? Uh, I watched this Donnie Yen movie, Big Brother, which, mm-hmm. um, again, it's hokey. It's a really hokey film. He plays a teacher in Hong Kong. Oh, um, this one is a little more recent, isn't yeah. it? Something about that image. I think I've seen that too. 2018, I think this came out. Okay. Um, yeah, he's a teacher in Hong Kong. We were just talking about this in the last episode about how they really put a lot of pressure on students these days to get uh, to pass these tests. You yep. have to pass this test and that determines their entire future, what kind of job they're going to have, what school they go to, blah, blah, blah. Um, so he's trying to prepare these this um, sort of island of misfit kids, you know, that are, you know, no teacher just wants to spend any time with them or that. So he goes above and beyond uh, to get these kids uh, prepared for this test so they can have uh, a life. It's really cheesy. It's really corny. Um, there's a couple of good fight scenes in here, though, where he fights uh, some MM. A guys, which I'm always good, happy to see MMA guys get their butts kicked. So anytime they do that, but very cheesy. So I paid a whopping three bucks for that. uh, If you could see that anyways. You got yourself a spare Blu-ray case. (laughs) That's right. Oh, I would keep that movie. I I might watch it again. I don't know. Might not. Um, This keeps happening to me. I don't know why. But people, they know I like, you know, car chases and I do like cheesy movies. I do. And people just keep insisting on recommending the Fast and the Furious movies to me. They're like, you got to watch the Fast and the Furious movies. I'm like, oh, I saw I saw most of the first one. No, no, no. You got to start with Hobbs and, and Shaw. 
And I'm like, I <laughs> isn't that like one of the last ones? Well, no, when those two characters <clears throat> come into the franchise, which is like oh, okay, the fourth or fifth one or something like that. And you know, like I I so I ended up I found on HD DVD, I found the the Tokyo Drift. Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Oh no. Oh yes. Yeah, now, I've seen parts of that. Now, what I thought I, I this was my line of thinking is that I'm not a fan of the Fast and Furious stuff, but the Fast and Furious fans, you know, don't like this movie. This is regarded as the worst one out of the series. So I thought, well, maybe this will be my favorite because I don't have the same taste they do. Maybe this will be no. Uh, Fast and Furious fans are right. This is <laughs> this is hot garbage. It mm -hmm. makes uh, zero sense. There, it's supposed to like everybody in this movie is supposed to be in high school, but everyone looks thirty five. You know, mm -hmm. it, they got five o'clock shadow. Even the ladies got five o'clock shadow. It makes mm -hmm. zero sense. Um, so yeah, please stop recommending Fast and Furious movies to me. It's all close up shaky cam i like you know the camera back and, and and you watch the cars go through the shot you know and get to see the stunts as they happen not just shaky cam really fast right in front of your face kind of stuff i don't like any of that stuff so watch uh bullet yes bullet or the seven ups or the french connection those are my kind yeah. of you know car chase even i do like the cheesy stuff from the 70s too like Smokey and the bandit or uh um, there you go i i did watch uh i'm forgetting um i watched um because they were on tubi i watched uh we talked about uh, death race death race 2000 yeah yeah i ended up watching that the very next day that was the uh stallone carradine one yeah so david carradine is like the main guy and stallone plays the bad guy in it Honestly, it's not a great movie. I wanted to like it a lot more than I did. It mm -hmm. does. It has a lot of sci-fi kind of stuff in it. And it tries to do the RoboCop thing. Ooh. Even though the movie came out way before RoboCop. But it just doesn't execute it very well. Like It tries to have a lot of uh, uh, social commentary and whatnot on... I don't know. It, it was very much like the Running Man uh, kind of thing where... It's it's all done within the uh, this game show, uh, but you know there's real consequences. Like they these people are racing from New York to L.A. and uh, they get points for the amount of people that they kill. Uh, mm -hmm. You know the, the fixes in for the guy on top and blah blah blah. And I don't know. It just it's meant a lot of it's meant to be an allegory for a lot of things, and I don't, it it just really didn't work for me. I I, I didn't really care for it, but. The same team, uh, their very next film was uh, a movie called Cannonball, which okay, which uh, the Cannonball Run movies, the Burt Reynolds Cannonball Run movies, kind of took the idea from it, um, which is based on a real thing, the Cannonball Run uh, through the United States kind of thing. This one was just more more action kind of thing still wasn't that great but they dropped all the kind of sci-fi kind of thing and uh mm -hmm. they just they just raced <laughs> they just raced and there's okay. a lot of action that the drive yeah they're both on uh tubi uh, they're okay i they're not great but you know okay 
Uh, what else did I watch? I watched Asteroid City, which is the new movie by the guy. Uh, uh, what's his name? Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson. The uh, is that the right guy? Yeah. Oh, Paul... Asteroid City is that the one with Tom Hanks? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I saw a trailer for that. So yeah, Paul Thomas, the guy who did uh, Moon uh, Kingdom, Anderson. Wes Anderson. See, I get the I get the names confused all the time. So. Is that Wes Anderson? Is that his name? There's Wes Anderson, there's Paul Thomas Anderson, and there's um, uh, 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 who's Biohazard, a Resident Evil guy. Yeah. W. W. S. Anderson? There's too many Andersons. Yeah. Anyway, I forget, we'll, I forget their names now. Wes Anderson, The Moonrise Kingdom, Rushmore, Royal Tannenbaum's guy. Anyways, this yep, is his yep, latest yep. movie. Um, beautiful looking film. He has it all takes place in this little western town, and the visuals and everything are like out of a Looney Tunes, like a Roadrunner cartoon, mm -hmm. done purposely with that intent. Like, you just look at it, and it's like this is like looking at a live action. If you wanted to make a live action Roadrunner cartoon, this is what you wanted it to look like. But uh, the story is just nonsensical, none of it makes any sense there is something some sort of purpose to it like mm -hmm. throughout the entire uh, don't movie. spoil it because i might watch this someday i'm not i'm not spoiling anything it just okay. they keep saying there's this thing that's this theme that's keeps that they keep saying like keep just keep telling the story even if it doesn't make any sense just keep telling the story and it, i don't know it didn't make any sense to me maybe other people get something out of it but i I don't know. I don't know what the heck was going well, that, on. Well, that, that has been my reaction to a lot of his films. Of just like, well, it looks great. There's a lot of technical prowess here, but the story, the character, something about it just never grabs me. Yeah, and I do, sometimes I do agree with you with that, and sometimes I don't. And I don't know. I, he's very hit or miss with me. You know, there's some movies of his that I, I love. I, I, but you know the amount, the amount of times I try to watch a Life Aquatic, like I just I can't get into it. it. Doesn't make any sense to me. And this this is another one. Just doesn't make any sense. And there is like every celebrity is in this film. Like so you got Jason Schwartzman, who's I think it is in all of his films. But you got ScarJo, Tom Hanks, Tilda Sweeten, Brian Cranston, Ed Norton, Liv Schreiber. Uh, William Defoe is in it. Uh, I'm not going to tell you who plays the alien because that's a little bit of a surprise. Matt Dillon's in it. A lot of celebrities in it, but it's just not very good. Not very good. Uh, okay, what else did I watch? Oh, this I wanted to ask you about this because you're from New Jersey. I am? You, you are. You're originally All from right. New Jersey. Do you know, have you ever been, do you know of the legend of uh, what the hell was the name of that? Uh, Action Park. Oh, yeah, I've heard of it, but I've never been there. And I remember the commercials when I was a kid. Yeah. But no, you, did you watch that documentary? I did. Have okay. you seen it? Uh, no, but Class Action Park. That's right. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Really good. It's fantastic. I thought it was, I thought it was an excellent documentary. So if you don't know what Action Park is, um, only in America could there be an Action Park. Basically, uh, this guy created, uh, built this, um, it was like a part, a water park, 
there was also sports racing, like go-kart racing in it and uh, something else. Can't remember. But it was basically a, a big theme park where there were all the regulations were kind of glossed over. Loose. Yeah. Very loose. So, you know, a lot of people went there and had a good time, you know, on these wacky water slides and stuff like that. But a lot of people got hurt. Some people even got killed. Uh, there's a lot of bitterness from a lot of families where, you know, their loved one went off to have a good time and didn't come back. Uh, the, the place kept going because it was done in this small community outside of New York. So they would get, or it was outside of New Jersey, but they would get a lot of people from New York city and from the you know area into this park. Uh, but the small community was basically funded by the theme park. Everybody worked there, right? All the tourists and everything would come, you know, if you, if even if you were at a restaurant, all the tourists would be coming into your restaurant to eat because they were on their way to, to action park. A lot of people uh, I saw on uh, letterbox were complaining that the, the movie was uh, uneven or it's uh, it was kind of all over the place. Uh, you know, like there wasn't like a real cohesive kind of uh, message that the movie was trying to say or anything like that, but it's a documentary. I don't. I, I think if 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 the the purpose of a documentary is to tell people's story, and if some people went there and had a good time, that's their story. If some people went there and got hurt, and tried went through a big lawsuit and everything, that's their story. If another person went there and got killed, that's the end of their story. You know. Mm. So when you have all these uh, conflicting experiences at one place, well, yeah, it's going to be all over the place. At one point, you're going to be talking about a child dying at the the next point you're going to talk about like this wacky contraption that they that they made so yeah the, a lot of the engineering in that in the place was uh, very uh, you know just stuff slapped together like this one guy who ran the park he would just kind of like come up with these ideas and the engineers would just create it and then they would get employees at the park to kind of test the stuff out and they would come out with like missing teeth or you know all broken bones or whatever <laughs> and they'd be like okay well i guess we have to adjust this you know, and, and meanwhile, the guy would just hand him a hundred bucks, you know, for testing out the ride. And they're like, they got a broken arm or whatever, you know? Mm. Um, well, I, I mean, I haven't seen it, but uh, from what you described, if the whole issue is that there was a whole lot of uh, crazy stuff going on, dangerous stuff, people getting hurt, killed, yet the park managed to continue operating. The uh, documentary feels like, yeah, we're touching on this horrible stuff, but then, hey, check out this crazy new ride. It feels like that same vibe of, wait, wait, wait there's dark stuff going on here, right? But now you're just talking about <laughs> well, something else. Well, it's, it's, it doesn't exist any longer, right? It's from the it's from the past. Like it's, it's Oh, yeah, yeah. That place is long shut down. Yeah, it's, it's shut down. So it's not like they were an advertisement for... I see what you're saying. But no, I'm just saying it's like, you know, of that time, people look at it now and say, well, this was so horrible. How could this happen? Well, because there's a distraction. We, 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 we gloss over it and we move on to something else. Yeah, people were having a good time. So, yeah. you know, and, and at I mean, time, a good documentary should make you think about what you just saw. Not right. You know, exactly. You not know, steer you. you develop into... your own. Exactly. Yeah. Develop That's... your own opinion based on the facts that you have just seen a hundred percent. But I think Document. that I think the kids these days that watch this stuff, they just want to be told what to think or, or whatever, you know, you got to think for yourself. You got to think, you know, like I, what I found interesting was that the place existed at all. 
and you know it just kind of existed in this this pocket of uh capitalism you know because we can make money if we do this thing and yeah some people get hurt but then you know then there's also the thing of personal responsibility like there were people that knew that if they went there they were going to get hurt but they wanted to go on the rides for the experience anyways you know where what at what level do you put do you say, well, you can't do that because it's too dangerous or or whatever? You know, these people just seem to want to do it. And I, like these were all, you know, Jersey Guidos. They were the, the people from uh, what's that show? Jersey Shore. <laughs> so those kind mm-hmm. of people like there was people that went there and they were traumatized, not because of the ride, but because they might have wussed out if, uh, on some part of a ride. Like there would be like a part where you're supposed to like jump down onto something or whatever. And they'd be like, oh, I'm not going to do it. And then the entire crowd is just yelling at them. You know, you're a pussy mm-hmm. or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And they're traumatized because of that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> anyways, it's good fun. It's a good movie. Hey, I enjoyed it. Life in the 80s, huh? That it, it yeah, it, that's the only place it could have existed was in the United States in the 80s in, in mm-hmm. Jersey. All right. Uh, I'm almost finished here. Uh, I did watch. Uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna end on that one because that wasn't really good. I'll just go through a couple of. Uh, <clears throat> well, okay, I watched. Um, so my friend Frank, he lent me uh, this weird movie called Bangkok Dangerous with Nicolas Cage. Okay. Which uh, one I, of those uh, straight to, or maybe not a major theatrical release. So it was a theatrical release, but that's only because it came out in 2009. If oh, it came okay. out today, back a little bit. yeah. If it came out today, direct video. I don't understand. Like I, I understand that some people like like it when Nicolas Cage does an over the top performance, and I have you know like uh, Moonlight or Moonstruck. That's like a really over the top performance, and I do like that. But I don't understand like what the like. This was just boring. It was just a boring, generic action film. It was like John Wick, but he, it's just Nicolas Cage with like this really bad haircut kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the action was really slow and the whole thing was just, eh, I don't know. I didn't get it. Another movie he lent me was uh, this movie called Talk to Me, which mm-hmm. is like, um, it's. I guess this is like the latest horror film that has, has the buzz, like uh, the indie horror film of, 2023 uh i didn't get it i i don't really get these kind of movies um they're just really not my thing uh mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of people like this stuff but to me like just all the characters in it are are boring it's the old ouija story kind of like ouija board story kind of thing where instead of a ouija board you hold on to this uh ceramic hand kind of thing and you mm-hmm. say you say to the hand talk to me and uh, if you're holding on to the hand, a dead person will show up on the other side of the table that you're sitting at. Mm-hmm. And uh, only you can see him. Nobody else in the room can can see the, the dead person. And then if you say, uh, I let you in, then the person, the dead person comes into your body. And uh, it's like you're you're possessed. But then like the other, like the people at the table have this timer. And if you're. If you go past 90 seconds, that's not good because then the dead person might stay. So they have to they cut you off after 90 seconds. But then after the experience, you have this horrible experience for 90 seconds. But the euphoria that you feel afterwards, it's like a, a drug high or something like that. 
So the movie is just kind of all over the place. It's trying to be, it's a little bit of an allegory about taking drugs. It's all these young people that are doing this thing. Um, but then it kind of tries to talk about, you know, grief and, and losing a family member. And I don't know, it was just the whole messaging was kind of all over the place. It was very predictable. I've seen this kind of stuff before. It just, I don't know. It's, I mean, for a lot of people, I think all they really need in a movie is just a lot of horrific images, and that's their thing, right? I just want to – I don't care what the story is about. I don't care about the characters. I just want to see a lot of horrific images, and I'm going to recommend this movie to you because I like seeing horrific images, and here you go. Watch some horrific images. For me, it does absolutely nothing for me. You know, uh, like a lot of horrible things happen in The Exorcist. That's not what – pulls me into that movie what pulls me into that movie is the relationship between the mother and the daughter and she's the mother like really the mother is to me is the main focus of that film and everything she's trying to go to to save her daughter and everything like that that's that's a part of the story that that i that i find suspenseful you know is she going to be able to get her daughter out of this situation is the priest going to be able to save her is you know anyone can anyone help this little girl right like that's the suspense for me with this, it's just, you know, dumb people making dumb decisions, you know, like, she, like, ah, I, I don't want to give too much of it away because it is a newer film. And a lot of people on Letterboxd were raving, rating it very high. But for me, it's just those kind of movies just really don't do much for me. Um, I watched a couple of Roger Corman films off my Roger Corman collection. Uh, Preacher one, collection. Yeah, so the one movie I watched was quite awful. You'll have no desire. You have no need to ever watch <laughs> Attack of the Giant Leeches. It's fun name, of, though. It is a fun name, and I thought it'd be a very fun movie, but it's just kind of boring. And uh, the the creatures in it, they're only in it for about five minutes. So, Well, that's one of the... When was this made? Like the 50s, 60s? Yeah, yeah like 1959. Okay, yeah. a great movie that you're going to want to put on your list is this one called uh, Bucket of Blood. Get that Bucket of Blood. Bucket of Blood. So this I movie... I heard of that one. So I, I found... I, I didn't know anything about it. Uh, I, I chose that one because it I just... I put all of my movies into like a random thing. So it's just like whatever movie comes up, that's what I'm watching next because I don't want to have to I've think thought of it. doing that. So you, you got a special app for that? Uh, no, I just put everything into... Um, uh, into a spreadsheet, like a Google spreadsheet, mm -hmm. and then I tell Google, uh, just, just pick, random. I got, I got like 500 movies in here. Just give me a random number between one and 500, and it'll give me the number. Then I go over the spreadsheet and I, I play that number. So I do that okay. when I can't decide what to watch. If I want to watch something, I watch it. But you know, I can't decide to watch. So anyways, I couldn't decide. So Sarah and I, we watched Bucket of Blood. This movie was it's I found out later that it's actually considered to be one of Roger Corman's best. It stars it is Dick Miller. Yes. Okay, so, yeah, I have so, heard of this. So Dick Miller, if you don't know, he's an actor who's been around, who was around for a long time. He passed away not too long ago. But he was in he was known for being in all of Joe Dante's films, the guy who made Yeah, he's uh, Mr. Gremlins. Futterman and the Gremlins. Right. Uh, he, he was in the Burbs as a, right. a garbage man. He did a ton of stuff. After watching this movie, I fully understood why Joe Dante was obsessed with him as an actor and wanted him in all of his films because mm -hmm. 
if I was a young John Joe Dante and I saw this movie, I'd be like, yeah, I, I want Dick Miller to have more work because he's he's really great in this film. He reminds me a lot of Rick Moranis in Little Shop of Horrors, where he's hmm. like this. So he's basically this nerdy guy who's uh, a, a wait a waiter at like a trendy uh, hipster, not a hipster, but what, beatnik. Uh, you know, this is the late fifties, right? So it's a beatnik okay. uh, bar. There's uh, performers and that on stage, and he's just crapped on because he's just normal guy, right? He doesn't have like any sort of uh, you know finesse or pizzazz or anything like that. He's got nothing cool about him. So all the you know the women kind of just like look down at him. All his peers look down at him. He's just the waiter guy. Um, through happenstance, he accidentally. <laughs> so it's funny. He goes to his crappy apartment. I, this all happens within the first few minutes, so I'm gonna a little bit, little bit spoilery. He, hey, but it's it's like in the first spoilers. few spoilers. Right. It's in the first few minutes just to get you to watch the movie. I know you are, but I, 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 I am already on board. Right. Well, he goes to his <laughs> crappy apartment, and his I can't I don't know if it was his cat or his landlady's cat is is in the wall. <laughs> it's like that stupid cat gets stuck in the wall again. So he takes a knife. To get the cat, like to cut the plaster out to get the cat out of the wall. And he jabs the knife in here. So he opens up, he killed the cat. So he decides, like, I don't, I got to hide this cat because he doesn't want his landlady to find out that he killed the cat, right? So he decides to take this clay because he's trying to become a sculptor and he just covers the cat in clay. Well, then through happenstance, his beatnik friends find this this cat covered in clay and they think that he made uh, a statue and because it's so detailed and everything, they believe that he uh, he's this wonderful sculptor that they have just discovered. So, you know, make us some more stuff and all that. And, you know, once you cover one live thing in, oh, come clay, on, you're spoiling the whole movie. For I, that's, it, that's, you, that's, uh, that's it. That's it. That's all I'm saying. Once you, once you, you do just, that, I, I, could have went into this thing totally blind saying you know what i'm gonna enjoy this now i know everything i'm looking for no you don't uh, no you don't trust me you don't you don't you think you do you think you do anyways it was a really fun movie really great performance by dick miller good right. well yeah i'm gonna have to look for that one i think that might be easier to find than the enforcer although uh, it sure might be both of these are well I might have to do some shopping internationally here. All right. Uh, okay, I did watch Peninsula. Yeah, Kevin which... is just like today's trailers. <laughs> <laughs> all he needed was the pause and all the sound going out. <laughs> I'm just trying to tickle your ass with a feather. That's all. Okay, uh, I did watch Peninsula, which is the sequel to Train to Busan, which is a movie I talked about a little while ago. It's a, a movie that takes place in Japan where they get into uh, onto this train and they're taking it down to, or is it Hong Kong? I can't remember. I'm bad. With I don't that. think it was Busan in Japan. All right. Busan is in Hong well, Kong. So it must have been Hong Kong. So they get on this power train and there's all zombies and everything like that. Anyways, I made this sequel, uh, the peninsula, which yeah, it's Hong Kong, of course, because peninsula, Hong Kong is a peninsula. Anyways, uh, sequel is, is a little more like the first one was like a thriller, like a genuine kind of zombie thriller. This one was just more of an action film. Not as great, but 
I watched it. Okay, last movie I'm gonna talk about. Cop Car. I find I finally watched Cop Car. It was oh the leave. Kevin Bacon movie. I was gonna leave Tubi in four days, so I'm like, I better mm-hmm. get to Cop Car. Great film. I I really like this kind of movie. Talk to me. Not my kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Cop Car. That's my kind of movie. Just loaded with suspense. So these you know two uh, juvenile delinquent uh, kids that are not all that bright find this cop mm-hmm. car out in. Uh, the bush, as we like to call it here in northern Ontario, and uh, it there's you know nobody's around. The cops are around. There's a beer bottle on the the hood of the cop car, but mm-hmm. nothing. No, no cops around. They go inside. They you know vroom vroom. We're pretending to drive the cop car, and then they find the keys, and they decide to go mm-hmm. on a joyride. Meanwhile, the cop who owned the car was kind of off doing something nefarious. And when he came back, his cop car was missing. So now it's like this. He's got to find the cop car because he's up. To, mm-hmm. He's the sheriff of this, this local area. And he's up to bad. He's up to no good. He's mm-hmm. up to bad things. And he's got to find the cop car before the legit police discover that his cop car is missing. And he doesn't know where mm-hmm. it is because if they find that cop car, there's going to be trouble. See, that's all I give away. I don't spoil anything mm-hmm. here. But anyways, it was a great, uh, solid uh, film. A lot of tension. Not that long. It was only about an hour and a half. Mm. Uh, one and of the, and uh, quite a shocking ending for me. Yeah, yeah. It, it was... Um, I, I It, it was a... appropriate for oh, yes. the, the, the cautionary tale that they're telling. But uh, yeah, I, 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 don't... I was a little like, ooh. I... I... I, I, we could talk about the ending, but I, I don't want to spoil anything. We'll talk about it after we stop recording. But um, yeah, uh, Catherine Mayhem, Mayhem, whatever the heck her name is, she used to be on the practice. She has a little role in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She has a little uh, role towards the end. And the brother, uh, Steve Buscemi's brother from Boardwalk Empire, is uh, the hit, or I don't want to say hitman, the the other guy in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has a, a nice little role in the movie as well. I, definitely my kind of movie. I, I love these kind of films. Not as good as, like, uh, say, Blue Ruin or uh, Green Room, but it's of that caliber. And the, and the director of that movie, he's the one that went on to do all the current Spider-Man movies, which is interesting because how he handles the child actors in this in in cop cars nothing like how they are in the the spider-man well once you get to big hollywood money well no i'm i'm appropriate for both films but it just it kind of uh surprised me that some executive on the what is it marvel or disney board or whatever saw cop car and said that's the guy that we need to make the spider-man movies you know because it's a little different anyways so if anything I recommend that you watch Bucket of Blood. I recommend that you watch Cop Car. Mm-hmm. And I'm recommending that you watch The Enforcer. And maybe Braddock, Mission, Mission uh, Missing in Action 3, maybe. All for different reasons. All for different reasons. All for different reasons, yeah. <laughs> but, I, I think I've only seen the first Missing in Action. I Again, I, I watched probably, what, one, two, three, four, five... Six, 
seven, eight, like eight Chuck Norris movies within the past year. Yeah. And can't really tell one from the other. <laughs> I, I, I just watched three and I'm having trouble remembering what happened and what. So I, I totally get it. There is one that was pretty good, though. Um, I think it was the Delta Force. Okay, so that, from what I that, read, that one... yeah, I, I've heard that those are actually better than uh, these missing in action films. The Delta Force, it, it's one of those movies, it's, it's an airplane hostage situation. Right. And all of Chuck Norris's scenes feel like they were from a different movie and just spliced in. And, it, and then you go to the, the airplane stuff. Right. The Chuck Norris stuff is boring. It's so bad and so dull and repetitive. And it's like, why did this happen? Now this is happening. I don't know. But the airplane stuff is genuinely tense and fun hmm. and well done. And then eventually they cross paths. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, there are elements there. Yeah. All right. Well, well I, don't, I don't have the list that you do. But um, um, I do have Spaceballs. I love the Blu-ray. I love that movie. The Blu-ray. That's I awesome. I bought this used somewhere, and uh, someone had put that on there, and I won't take it off. <laughs> that's, no, that's perfect. Very appropriate. Um, you know, I put this on the other night, and I was like, oh, man, I've seen that so many times. Am I really going to watch it? Like, ah, I'll watch it with the commentary. I'll get okay. the Mel Brooks commentary and, and see what he has to say. One of the more lackluster commentaries. I uh, hate when you come across one that's just kind of like, you're not giving me anything here. Yeah. And now, admittedly, throughout the commentary, he re he repeats himself over and over, saying, "I don't know what to say. Why am I doing this?" <laughs> like, which is kind of funny in its own right, but yeah, it's one of those commentaries where a scene will come up and he'll say. Oh, this is a scene where they go to ludicrous speed. Watch, he's going to hit the thing. See, look, it's it's saying <laughs> light speed, and now it says ridiculous, and now it's ludicrous. And yeah, he, oh, look at him. He's he's uh, he's really doing a great job there. Oh, that was a fun scene. And you know, he's basically just telling you what's happening on screen. So there weren't really any like a lot of behind the scenes. This is how we accomplished this shot, or you know. You know, this is why we went in this direction. Yeah, yeah. Like that. What I did learn, though, is that um, the two guys, he wrote the film with two other guys. And one of them is the guy that plays the priest who's marrying uh, uh, yeah. them at the end. Lone okay. Star and Princess. Uh, oh, Thespa. why am I blanking on her name? Princess Thespa. Yes, yeah. thank you. She, uh, that guy's hmm. been in quite a bit of his movies. Like he, he, he's he's a, a collaborator, yeah, but yeah. Uh, I didn't know that he was the writer also. No. A very neither. standout performance in that movie. Mm -hmm. um, I, I bought a few more um, uh, rental movies that they were getting rid of. And I don't know. Have you ever seen Turner and Hooch? That is one of the movies that we had on VHS hmm. when I was a kid. Like, we didn't have the commercial vhs we had it like recorded off tv and i remember okay. loving it as a kid and i'm kind of afraid to watch it now because okay i think adult me wouldn't appreciate it so i just kind of all right well then you know all the ins and outs of this movie uh i i, I really don't 
you know the ending. Uh, I don't remember it, no. <laughs> okay. Then I don't know if I want to say this. Everybody plug your ears if uh, you don't want spoilers. I'll take the spoilers. I just want to say that when I bought this, my wife was with me. And I was like, all right, I got this Turner and Hooch movie. I've never seen it before. And then she says, oh, doesn't dot, dot, dot happen? And I was like, great, I've never seen this movie. Why did you just tell me that? And and then I'm thinking like, no, that's not going to happen. Not in, not in this movie. What, does he have sex with the dog? What, what is it? I can't remember. No, <laughs> you got to tell don't me remember? No. Uh, well, I'm sorry. Spoilers for anybody who cares. Anyone who's listening to this. She tell I, I buy it and she's like, oh, doesn't the dog die in the end? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, what, what, I didn't see this. Why'd you tell me that? And then mm. I'm like, no, it's a buddy cop movie with Tom Hanks and a dog. He's not going to die at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dog freaking gets shot and dies in the end. He, he, the dog is like, uh, you know, the, the, <clears throat> the partner that's like, he's one more day till retirement kind of thing yeah but it's also set up as the odd couple thing you know mm -hmm. he's the neat and tidy guy and right, then, right oh you're the dog and i was playing it in my head i was like okay i can kind of see every beat this movie's gonna do i was like all right he's gonna be the the cop who has an issue maybe he doesn't you know he has a partner nobody wants to work with them or something then he gets teamed up with the dog and then they're not going to get along he's going to wreck the house and then they learn to appreciate each other save the day blah 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 he loves the dog at the end which is essentially what happens but then just the the idea that the dog dies and then he gets another dog that looks just like him <laughs> i was like uh what that's that's the 80s man it was ruthless well i i did notice that there were like three or four screenwriters on this it was one of those things oh. where the script cast hands and like yeah. okay rewrite this and rewrite this and kept changing the the one thing you got to watch it for though, yet another appearance of uh, Carl Winslow. Oh, as a cop extraordinaire, right on. Good job. Carl. After Ghostbusters and before Family Matters. Yeah. Uh, maybe right around the same time as Die Hard. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. He's your go-to cop uh, guy. Yeah, another movie that I had never seen before. I was always curious about uh, the Robert Zemeckis film Death Becomes Her. With uh, Bruce never Willis, seen it. Goldie Hawn, and yeah. uh, 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 what's his name? Meryl Streep. Um, good, not great. Some really fun stuff in here. But overall, mm, yeah, I kind of yeah. liked it. But it, I think it's got a few pacing issues. Uh, but some a lot of fun stuff in there. I was just always intrigued by this, uh, the images of uh, the twisted backwards head and the, the hole in her stomach and everything. Yeah, there. yeah. I actually didn't know uh, that was a Zemeckis film. I, I've always seen that I, I didn't know until I picked it up. Okay. Apparently, I think it did win, uh, like, Best Special Effects or something that year. Because there's some, some neat of-the-time special effects. Yeah. And it's got that, you know, fun, charming thing. Bruce Willis... Boy, sometimes he's just a terrible actor for me. It's like I, I can't buy his performance in a lot of things, and this is one of them where it just—it feels like he's trying to be a quirky actor, but he doesn't know how to be a quirky actor. Yeah, 
Really, for mm-hmm. me, Bruce Willis, it comes down to two films, Die Hard and um, Sixth Sense. And even in Sixth Sense, he's not really emoting that much or anything like that. Uh, yeah. For, for reasons. I think, I think he, was, he was well cast in the, um, the Sin City role, where he just kind of has to be fairly flat yeah. and blank. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn, really fun in this. And there are some... I won't spoil it, but I, I thought the ending was wonderful. This this movie did feel quite a bit like um, Tales from the Crypt. It felt like a really long, stretched out, overly long Tales from the Crypt episode, which uh, okay. Zemeckis was uh, part of that, too. He was, right, he was right. Like a producer or whatever on that. Hmm. Be interesting to like that. see if that was like that movie started off as maybe an episode. Of- uh, there's there's probably a potential for something like that. You know, mm-hmm. like, hey, this is a really good idea. Let's drag it out. Oh, one of the other things I noticed in here, I've been, uh, I, I, this is the second time I've noticed it. This movie and Falling Down. Um, a few months ago on Netflix, this documentary came up about American Gladiators, the, the old TV show from the 80s. Right. And uh, it was just about like the behind the scenes and it's all the standard stuff you'd expect to hear. Like, you know, they're not getting paid. People Mm -hmm. are using steroids and all that kind of stuff. Um, But, you know, I hadn't watched American Gladiators since I was a kid. So I was watching this and then, you know, they're interviewing everybody. And so their, their faces became, you know, fresh again. And I was watching this and there's an American Gladiator. Has a cameo. Oh yeah. Well, like a, a non-speaking role, just muscle guy. Right. You know, right. in the back. I was like, oh, that's one of the American Gladiators. And same thing with falling down. There's a, the scene at the pier at the end. There's all the you know people standing around their swimsuits. Like, oh, that's an American Gladiator. Oh. He, he's muscle guy in background. Cool. I, I never really go. watched American Gladiators like as a kid or whatever. It's. I think if you watch one episode, yeah, you'll you'll get the gist of it, and you're like, okay, I don't need to watch any more because it's just <laughs> the same thing, right, right, over and over again. It well, was, it, was, it was fun. It was like everyday guys trying to beat the gladiators, right, at some sort of event or something. Yeah, was... apparently, I guess the the very first episodes they had the competitors were also giant muscle guys. Oh, okay. So it looked like pro wrestling. But then they retweaked it. They changed a few things. And then there's like, okay, we need fit people, but they need to be like David and Goliath. They need right. to look like they're going up against these big gladiators. So, right. And that, I guess, made it more appealing for the viewer because then you more associate with the, the competitor, the challenger. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I'll mention is I, I did watch uh, One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest again. Yep. And uh, I think we did that for the show originally. I think, yeah, with a Jack, we did a Jack Nicholson episode. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I think that was the first time I had ever watched it. Yeah. So since then, I've heard that the the movie. I don't remember if we even discussed this. Was um, kind of a metaphor for uh, communism versus democracy. No, I and don't so remember I was that. Watching it this. <laughs> I was watching it this time with that in mind. And it's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. There's there's so much going on because, you know, Jack Nicholson wants the right to, to watch the baseball game and to right. you know do this and that. 
and then uh, the staff, they're saying, no, you know, we're playing this music for everybody. You can't stay in your room by yourself. You have to be out here with everybody. Mm. We're controlling, you know, when you get your cigarettes and, and all this. And you see all those little details of basically they're looking for freedom. And then the the communist regime is like keeping everybody sedate and you know, right. in check. Yeah. I mean, yeah. A, a fantastic movie outside of that as well. Performance and all that. Jack Nicholson, I, I, again, I think he's probably kind of a jerk to be around in real life, but man, he's uh, <laughs> quite a great actor. Well, uh, yeah, now that you say that, um, well, the, 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 I can't remember the writer's name, the guy who wrote that. He wrote, the, it's based on a book, right? And that guy is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't remember the, uh, he is uh, like a super hippie kind of guy. And that's the one book he wrote. And he just lives off the royalties from that one book. It's it, it, interesting guy. Uh, who wrote this? <laughs> wrote this. Oh, well, I know that the um, the author was not happy with the film because it deviated too much from from his original message. Apparently, um, uh, the character of the chief, I think, was supposed to be the main character, and it was right. told from his perspective as an observer to these events. Yes, um, but they they basically made Jack Nicholson the the main for it. Right. Well, when you get Jack Nicholson, Ken Casey, the guy. Ken name. Casey. All right. Yeah. Anyways, all right. I think that's it. Um, I've been watching Oz, which is that that old HBO show. The Wizard of Oz? No, it's it's about uh, a prison mm -hmm. uh, called uh, Oswald Prison. It takes place in like a fake state kind of thing, but mm -hmm. the idea is it's kind of like uh, an Attica situation where mm -hmm. it's the prison is like the only thing in this small town, kind of like Action Park, where it's just. It's the only employer in this small town. So everything that happens at this prison is kind of amplified because everybody's jobs are tied into this prison kind of thing. Um, Ernie Hudson uh, plays a, a lead role in, in the film. He's, hey. Yeah, he's actually he's quite good in it. He plays the warden. Um, and now the show itself. Start, it started off really good. Like it was really like that HBO quality kind of thing. Um, they are were obviously not used to letting the viewer remember things <laughs> because there are a lot of flashbacks. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, remember this when this happened, kind of thing, and that because uh, you know uh, back in the day, like television was wasn't serialized, right? It was all just like it, you went episode by episode kind of thing. Yep. Everything, every episode is self-contained where, you know, a show like Oz, this was pre-Sopranos, pre like, like uh, you know, soap operas were always serialized, but they were very simple stories where this is kind of trying to tell more complex stories. Um, and I, I'm enjoying it. We're on season four now. There's only eight episodes per, per season. Um, and I am enjoying it, but a lot of, a lot of the storylines are kind of crazy. Like there's this one doctor she's actually played by um the the chief in uh dexter you watch dexter right i saw i think the first 
five seasons. Okay. And yeah. everyone said it has a terrible ending. So it does. I never yeah, I don't got blame. to that. And then they did like a little uh, mini thing within the past couple of years. And yeah, I didn't watch it. I don't. I don't care. I remember with Dexter, the last really good season was uh, with John Lithgow. That was like the last. Uh, I think I remember one. that was like the third or fourth season. Yeah, I think. That. Yeah. And then it kind of just kind of anyways, a lot of the actors on Oz uh, went on to to be on Dexter. And uh, she uh, Maria, I, I think was her name on uh, Dexter. She was like the captain, like the the boss kind of thing. Okay, I'm not really uh, well, anyway, she plays. Anyways, on Oz, she plays this doctor, and I mean, one of the inmates uh, kills her husband. <laughs> Another inmate uh, rapes her. She's still working at Oz. It's like, wouldn't you quit your job? Like, quit this? You know, like hmm. it is. A lot of the storylines are kind of crazy, kind of out there. Um, I, it's like they've taken like a lot of stories about prisoners and they kind of incorporated them into these very like this small pool of characters because you can only have so many actors on a tv show especially pre sopranos hbo which had like a real strict budget kind of thing like the reason why they mm -hmm. only did eight episodes because they only had so much money right um they're doing like full-on one-hour episodes anyways it's about prison and within the prison there's this place called emerald city where the prison is trying to do this uh, rehabilitation, uh, you know, at the time, like this is all from the late nineties. Right. So at the time, this was like a new kind of strategy to rehabilitate uh, prisoners by giving them a little bit of a higher standard of uh, living conditions kind of thing. So this one guy took like some of the worst, people in the prison and he's trying to give them like a little bit of a better life. Like they don't live behind bars or behind glass. They get, they don't have to wear prison garbs. They can wear their own kind of clothes. Um, and they have a little more freedom. And this, the strategy, the thinking is, is that they'll be able to rehabilitate these guys so they can go back into society once they're done, instead of just locking them up for so many years and because like, what does that do to a person? Right. It's like you did a bad thing. We'll lock you up and they, they enter back into society and they just end up committing more crime because that's all they know. Right. So this mm -hmm. is like, let's try to get get them an education and all that. And it's like it's it is layered and textured, you know, in that kind of thing where all the characters are not simple. They all live in this area of gray. They have reasons for doing things and that. So it is compelling on that level. But. When you think about it, it's like it, it's like John McClane in that first movie and first die in the first Die Hard, right? It's like all this crazy stuff happens to John McClane. Well, that's a once in a lifetime thing until mm -hmm. Die Hard Part Two, where the crazy stuff happens to him again. You know, and it's kind of like how much crazy stuff can ha can happen to these people before they just mentally just give out. <laughs> you know, hey, it's a one in a million. Yeah, John so. McClane is a, a magical guy. Anyways, it is a compelling show. It is still interesting to watch, but it's definitely uh, a little bit dated in uh, a lot of its production and whatnot. But Ernie Hudson's there, so I'm just going to keep on keep on plugging. It's got that uh, Ghostbusters uh, connection. Nice. And that's it. I've been trying to watch more TV. I was I, I watched one episode of Star Trek. 
Okay. It was a terrible season three episode where the, uh, the kids go like this. Oh, I hate that episode. Pound <laughs> <laughs> oh. their fists and then the, the, the Christmas Magic tree happens. comes yeah. out. And, yeah. and that, that's where Kurt they're like doing to a... like hug the kids and save uh, them from the monster. They're doing like a seance <laughs> on the bridge, right? Yeah, yeah something yeah. volcano, magic, devil, wizards thing. That third season had a lot of cringe. A lot of cringe. Mm. But again, that was a show that had a, a decent budget when it was Desilu for the first two mm -hmm. seasons. And then uh, Paramount took it over and they just slashed the budget and they, they tried their best. Mm. If you watch that second season, man, they had like, you know, uh, let's build the Klingons an actual ship, you know, instead of just having like a, a dot on the screen. Let's actually have a yeah. Klingons have a ship, and you know they would go to actually go to locations, you know, to do shoots instead of just standing in front of styrofoam rocks with the silk screen behind them. You know, they would actually. Mm -hmm. But then third season came out, got that budget. There's your Star Trek talk. I think we've done it. We've done it all. We've said it all. We've Nothing left. done it. All right. I think so. Well, thanks, uh, Rocket Sauce, for being the one person in the chat. Oh, Sarah did have a comment. Oh, wait, oh no, and, um... and uh, Deke from the Destruction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had a comment. So there we go. Not okay. too bad. Thank All goodness right. I didn't spoil Turner and Hooch for too many people. <laughs> Look, that's an old movie. You can spoil that. Uh, <laughs> you know. I, I can't spoil a movie from 1955, apparently. No, you can't. That, that was a good movie. Lock Once it. it becomes too old, it, it comes around again. Yeah, I guess. I guess. It's old as new. All right. I guess that's it. Uh, bye. Yeah, that's it. All right. Ending.
Nando.